Welcome to Moving and Grooving with Alan. I hope things are good with all of you today. It's kind of hot out there. Not that bad, though, the way the media says it. I mean, I came up from the Cape, and I swam, and I rode, and I had a great time. And the drive up here was just fine. So, But take it easy. You know, drink a lot of water. Um, the media is really making a big deal out of this, so just take care of yourselves. And um, anyway, today I have, I have a lot on my mind, and um, so I'm going to speak my mind. You know, I always speak my mind. There's always a lot of stuff I have to talk about. But today we're going to talk about the abortion issue. Um, on June 24th, we in the United States had a punch to our gut. Roe versus Wade was overturned, or as Michael Moore stated in his podcast, 170 million women and girls were removed from the ranks of full citizenship, and they will have to have babies whether they want to or not. That is because, according to the, uh, the Supreme Court, States are free now to regulate and strictly restrict access to abortion, some with no exceptions, even in the cases of rape and incest. I mean, this is scurrilous, folks. This is a, a total horror that it should happen in the United States of America. To me, is mind-boggling. We have already witnessed the rape of a 10-year-old uh, young girl who received an abortion in Indiana and whose AG wants to indict the doctor who helped this child. Talk about vile and subhuman. This man defies decency in the supposed land of the free and the home of the brave. And now the doctor who performed the, um, the, the abortion is suing him, and I'm so glad she is, and I hope she wins, because, oh, it, 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 you can't even fathom what is going on. June 24th is indeed a day of infamy in the USA. The overturning of Roe versus Wade is counter to the beliefs of our founding fathers of separation of church and state, and it is an infringement of the beliefs of many religions. According to Lisa Fishbane Joffe, the Shulamit Reinhardt's director of the Hadassah Brandeis Institute, for us Jews, banning abortions is inconsistent with Jewish law and tradition. Under Jewish law, an abortion is permissible to save the life of the mother. Thus, extreme anti-abortion laws infringe on the religious freedom of Jews. And I always thought our founding fathers said there was separation of, of uh, uh, religion uh, uh, and state in, in our country. So how this is happening, I do not know. Moreover, according to the Brandeis newsletter, the Hebrew Bible makes clear that a fetus does not have the status of a human life. The Talmud, a compendium of rabbinical commentaries and laws, written during the first millennium CE, characterizes a fetus as mere water and doesn't prohibit abortion before 40 days of gestation. At this point, abortion is prohibited, but exceptions are made to preserve the health of the mother. If the fetus is not a threat to the mother, Jewish denominations take different views, which I do not have time to discuss right now. However, bottom line, SCOTUS's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade is an infringement on the rights of women as specified in the Talmud. In short, one religious tradition cannot decide for another, as this overturning does. Today I'm going to answer any questions you may have about the scurrilous decision. Fortunately, Planned Parenthood provide a question-answer sheet, which I shall read right now. So take out your pens and paper to take notes. Uh, there's, there's a lot here to deal with, and um, you won't remember. But also, um, if you have any questions that I don't cover today, uh, please email me at ellenkagan, K-A-G-A-N, at gmail.com, and I'm happy to answer any of your questions. It, it's just so important to understand what's going on. Okay, the first question that Planned Parenthood take, 
uh, has here is, does the end of Roe versus Wade mean that abortion has been banned? And the answer is no. The reversal of Roe versus Wade means the federal constitution no longer protects the right to abortion. That means the door is open for states to ban abortion. Some states have already done that, while others will move swiftly to pass abortion bans now that they have been given the green light by the Supreme Court. Abortion rights will continue to be protected in some states, like in Massachusetts. And also, um, the New England states are terrific. New Jersey and New York um, are some examples of um, where abortion is safe. Abortion may be banned in up to 26 states over the coming days or months. That will block abortion access for over 36 million women, plus other people who can become pregnant. Fortunately, 16 states and Washington, D.C. have state constitutional or statutory uh, protections for abortion to ensure care remains accessible in those states. Make no mistake, overturning Roe is not the ultimate endgame for abortion opponents. Already, federal politicians have proposed a nationwide six-week ban on abortion, and the end of Roe opens the door for that reality. Another question. What happens in states that have previously passed unconstitutional abortion restrictions? Prior to SCOTUS's ruling, 13 states had passed so-called trigger laws designed to go into effect immediately or within days or weeks of, of SCOTUS's decision to overturn or undermine Roe. In addition, nine states, including some of the 13 with trigger laws, had pre-Roe bans on abortion that remain on the books. The ground is shifting by the hour, but already eight states' bans are already in effect, with more to follow. Even before the decision was announced, Oklahoma had banned abortion entirely, and Texas had banned abortion as, at approximately six weeks of pregnancy through citizen-enforced bounty hunter provisions that the Supreme Court had already permitted to remain in effect. How can pregnant people in states with abortion bans find care? Well, first of all, there's a great website, and so go to abortionfinder.org. That's abortionfinder.org. Patients who live in states where abortion is restricted or unavailable will have to find a way to get an abortion out of state. Where health care systems may be overwhelmed by the demand, seek care outside the health care system or carry an unintended or dangerous pregnancy to term. We know that for many, the financial and logistical barriers to finding out-of-state care are insurmountable. And because of this country's legacy of systemic racism and discrimination, the burdens will fall mostly on black, Latino, indigenous, and other people of color, as well as people with low incomes. I mean, this whole situation is dire, folks. And the more we know about how to combat it, the better off we are. Another question, how can I help patients access abortion? The most important way you can help support patients right now is to make an emergency donation. Uh, make it to Planned Parenthood. Your gift will be used to help patients access abortion, including covering the cost of travel, medical care, and other patient expenses. Another question, did any Supreme Court justices vote against the result in the case? Yes, three justices, Justices Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor filed a joint dissenting opinion, and what they said was, countless women will now make different decisions about careers, education, relationships, and whether to try to become pregnant than they would have had when Roe served as a backstop. Other women will carry pregnancies to term with all the costs and risk of harm that involves when they would previously have chosen to obtain an abortion. 
For millions of women, Roe and Casey have been critical in giving them control of their bodies and their lives. Closing our eyes to the suffering today's decision will impose will not make that suffering disappear. We must get involved, folks. After today, young women will come of age with fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers had. The majority accomplishes that result without so much as considering how women have relied on the right to choose or what it means to take that right away. Can the Supreme Court's ruling be overturned? For now, the end of Roe means that there is no federal constitutional protection to abortion. Already, lawsuits have been filed in some state courts to protect abortion under the state constitution. And again, 16 states and Washington, D.C. already have ensured state protections for abortion in statute or their constitutions. But the best protection for access to abortion nationwide would be reestablishing federal protection for it. And um, if we codify, if Congress codifies Roe, then we would be protected. Women would be protected. However, the um, terrible part of that is if SCOTUS remains the same with six judges, you know, against this, um, the, the, the law, the congressional law will be overturned. So what we have to do is add four more justices to the Supreme Court, so that's fair. And we have 13 district uh, districts. Um, not nine. So 13 would be fine. And bear in mind that the Supreme Court has has changed its composition eight times. So with the lead of Senator Markey here in Massachusetts, we have to fight to add four more um, justices to the Supreme Court because right now it's unhinged. They're making their decision not in, pres- uh, not in precedent, but on their religious beliefs, and that cannot happen in the Supreme Court. And also, folks, um, there's no oversight to the Supreme Court. They have Lifetime, um, uh, lifetime appointments so that we can't wait another 20 years, 30 years for some of them to die. We have to fix the court, no question about it. And again, Senator Markey is spearheading that with many uh, Congress people. Yesterday there was a great um, uh, press conference with Senator Markey and Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee and many others. There are many organizations trying to change the composition of the court. So this is another thing that I am fighting for. Um, You wonder, how can you help restore the right to abortion? It's up to all of us to speak out and demand new laws to protect access to abortion, and that means changing the composition of the Supreme Court. Planned Parenthood supporters nationwide are gathering to rally, speak out, and support one another. Find a local event near you. It's so important that we tell our own abortion stories and uplift stories from others. An overwhelming number of um, Americans support legal abortion, but the stigma around abortion leads to shame and secrecy. Largely, the fact that abortion is not talked about as the vital routine health care it is has made the decision impossible. Possible. To secure new laws that protect and expand access, we must destigmatize abortion. If you have a story to tell and you're able to tell it publicly, please post it with the hashtag um, Whatever that, that the reason. If you can't speak publicly, find people you can share with and uplift abortion stories you see online. The chaos and devastation unleashed by this Supreme Court decision will continue to harm patients, especially as lawmakers in more states rush to pass new bans and restrictions. Planned Parenthood will continue to update you with the latest and most accurate information available. And now you wonder... What is the Biden administration doing to protect women? Well, it's doing a lot, and it's trying to do um, 
everything he, President Biden is trying to do everything he can within his power um, to, to help women. But again, he has to work with Congress. It's not in President Biden's power to change all this. He has to work with Congress, and the Supreme Court has to be changed. So first, on July 8th, President Biden signed an executive order protecting access to reproductive health services. This executive order will do the following. Here goes, folks. It protects access to medication abortion. Um, he had, first of all, I want to say he has directed the Secretary of Health and Human Services to take the following actions and submit a report to him within 30 days on efforts to protect access to medication abortion. HHS will take additional action to protect and expand access to abortion care, including access to medication that the FDA approved as safe and effective over 20 years ago. These actions will build on the steps the Secretary of HHS has already taken at the President's direction, following the decision to ensure that medication abortion is as widely acceptable as possible. It will ensure emergency medical care. HHS will take steps to ensure all patients, including pregnant women and those experiencing pregnancy loss, have access to the full rights and protections for emergency medical care afforded under the law, including by considering updates to current guidance that clarify physician responsibilities and protections under the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Law, or EMTALA. It will also, President Biden's executive order, and he's just been terrific on this. He's doing all he can to change all this. It will protect access to contraception. HHS will take additional actions to expand access to the full range of reproductive health services, including family planning services and providers, such as access to emergency contraception and long-acting reversible contraception like intrauterine devices or IUDs. In all 50 states and the District of Columbia, the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of women's prevention services, including free birth control and contraceptive counseling for individuals and covered dependents. The Secretary of HHS has already directed the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to take every legally available step to ensure patient access to family planning care and to protect family planning providers. The executive order also launches outreach and public education efforts. HHS will increase outreach and public education efforts regarding access to reproductive health care services, including abortion, to ensure that Americans have access to reliable and accurate information about their rights and access to care. The executive order will also convene volunteer lawyers. The Attorney General and the White House Counsel will, oversee, will convene private pro bono attorneys bar associations, and public interest organizations to encourage robust legal representation of patients, providers, and third parties lawfully seeking or offering reproductive health care services throughout the country. Such representation could include protecting the right to travel out of state to seek medical care immediately following the Supreme Court decision. Um, I'm sorry, uh, period. (laughs) Immediately following the Supreme Court decision, the president announced the administration's position that Americans must remain free to travel safely to another state to seek the care they need, as the attorney general made clear in his statement, and his commitment to fighting any attack by a state or local official who attempts to interfere with women's exercising this right. The um, executive order also provides patient privacy and access to accurate information. This includes protect 
protecting consumers from privacy violations and fraudulent deceptive practices. It will also protect sensitive health information. And it will also promote safety and security. The executive order addresses the, the heightened risk related to seeking and providing reproductive health care and will protect patients, providers, and clinics. It will also coordinate implementation efforts to, to ensure the federal government takes a swift and coordinated approach to addressing reproductive rights and protecting access to reproductive health care. The president's executive order will establish an interagency task force. He has directed HHS and the White House Gender Policy Council to establish and lead an interagency task force on reproductive health care access, responsible for coordinating federal interagency policymaking and program development. This task force will also include the Attorney General, In addition, the Attorney General will provide technical assistance to states affording legal protection to out-of-state patients, as well as providers who offer legal reproductive health care. There is so much more, folks. Um, Let me see. Look at my papers. I have so much to talk to you about. Hold on while I look everything up. And I hope everybody is well today. And just take it easy. Okay. Here's what else President Biden has done. He has also met with Democratic governors to find ways to defend reproductive rights. Vice President Harris has met with Attorneys General Dana Nessel of Michigan and Keith Ellison of Minnesota to discuss efforts underway in key states to protect reproductive rights. This follows her recent convening of Attorneys General from seven states to discuss the fight for reproductive rights. Also, in Michigan, activists have collected a record number of signatures for the Michigan Abortion Rights Ballot Measure. They collected 753,759, well over the required 425,059 needed to get onto the ballot. This is to enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution in November. So you see, folks, there is so much that is going on that I don't think has really been reported. And again, if you have any questions, please um, email me at ellenkagan at gmail.com or get in touch with uh, Jen here at, the, um, at BCAT, Burlington Cable Access Television, and she will forward any questions to me. Last week, the Biden administration said that health care providers must offer abortion services if the life of the mother is at risk and that procedures conducted under such circumstances would be protected under federal law regardless of various state bans. So what happens in Massachusetts? Luckily, we are a state that protects a woman's right to choose. Also, the law states that only a physician licensed in Massachusetts can provide an abortion in Massachusetts. Also, after 24 weeks, which is six months, as you know, abortions are not allowed unless it is necessary to preserve the woman's life or delivery would gravely impair the woman's physical and or mental health. Another part of the law states that there will be no abortion until at least 24 hours after a consent form is signed and the woman has spoken with the counselor. Public funds are provided to low-income women who need abortions, and this is in Massachusetts. Girls under 16 need one parent's consent. This has been changed from 18. It used to be that under 18 you, you uh, needed a, a um, one parent's consent. Also, Governor Baker signed an executive order prohibiting state workers from helping other states to investigate those not from Massachusetts and who are seeking abortions in Massachusetts. And as you know, in Texas, 
um, the citizens are, citizens are becoming bounty hunters. They get $10,000 reporting on a doctor who has done abortions or any woman seeking help or anyone providing help. I mean, it, it's unfathomable to me. It's a horror show, folks. So please get involved. So how do we change all of this and bring back a woman's right to choose? Well, first of all, folks, you must register to vote and vote Democrat in November. With a Democratic majority in the House and Senate, we can codify Roe, and we can change the the makeup of the Supreme Court from 9 to 13. Um, I have to say, we cannot go back. This is not even an issue. We cannot go back to the 1950s when women snuck around and got abortions because people, women will always get abortions, as they did in the 50s and before then. But they were unsafe, and women died, and this cannot be allowed to happen. Also, volunteer with Planned Parenthood and attend marches and rallies. Your voice must be heard. We can do this. Change must begin here and now because we cannot go back to the 50s, as I've just said. So again, let me just reiterate what you can do. You can donate to an abortion fund. You can help independent abortion providers. You can support your local Planned Parenthood affiliate. You can share resources for people who may need an abortion. You must speak up and share your story. I know it's hard for some women, um, but don't feel ashamed because we all have to help each other. It's just very important. Our rights have been taken away for an abortion in 26 states. In 26 states. So fight for your right. You must get involved. Also, visit bandsoff.org, which will give you more information. That's B-A-N-S-O-F-F dot org, which will give you more information. Um, You can also, um, let's see what else. I have so much information, folks. I hope this is helping anybody out there who um, is finding themselves in this sort of situation um, where they can't get, you know, abortions. But, of course, in Massachusetts and the East Coast, you can Anyway, um, I think that's about it for now. Again, I must say that um, if you need help, and help is always here with Ellen and uh, moving and grooving with Ellen, you know, I'm always here to help. Um, Please, please get in touch with me. It's very, very important. And now, since I have about eight minutes left, um, I want to talk about my difficulties in finding good physicians. I don't know about you, but I'm having the most torturous time finding competent, caring physicians. I mean, I just I can't believe what I'm going through. For years, I've talked about this. I mean, my, I wrote my book, um, Ellen in Medical Land, True Stories About How I Fell Down Medicine's Black Hole and Still Lived After All, which is on Kindle, um, about my wild and crazy experiences at Harvard Teaching Hospital, which you cannot believe. The experiences are mind-boggling. As a friend said to me, it ought to be made into a horror movie. And you can watch my one-woman show, Just What the Doctor Ordered on YouTube, which talks about the same thing. So I, when my, some of my doctors retired, I thought maybe, hopefully, um, things would get better. But um, I have to tell you, folks, they really haven't. I have gone through such, such experiences. I went to a, um, a new dentist, because my great one retired, of course, who looked at my mouth, I feel totally fine, and told me that... Um, uh, there was a problem there, and uh, I'd have to go to an endodontist and, and have, get implants, of course, which starts at $10,000. And I said to him, well, so when is this horror going to happen, doctor? And he's told me, um, oh, now or in 10 years. I mean, you can't believe it. 
You can't believe it. Uh, then I went to a skin doctor who took one look at me because my great guy retired. I loved him. Um, took a look at my, my body. He said, oh, we have to clean you up. And he wanted me to do eight basal cells at one time. He's gone. He's gone because I did not need eight basal cells done at one time, as you probably know. But my most, with the past two months, it's just been a horror show. I already talked about my experience at the Mass Ioneer, which you can, I think it's on episode 16. Um, no, not 16. It may be, well, you'll see. It's, it's in one of Ellen Speaks Her Mind episodes, um, which was a total horror show, going down the Mass Ioneer. So then, because I had such a terrible time, I decided to go to a female ophthalmologist in Brookline on the highest recommendation of a dear friend who I trust totally. Let me just say that it was one of the most bizarre afternoons of my life. I had called her and left a message on voicemail with his name because he recommended me to her. And she called me back personally, which I thought was terrific. I must say, I thought, isn't this great? So I went to her, see her. And again, happily, there was free parking because of anything I resent. It's having to pay for being stressed out by going to a doctor. I mean, I hate paying for parking when I go to a doctor. I really hate it. So luckily, I found a side street, and I parked, and I walked very happily um, to her office. But to my amazement, when I entered her office, she was the only one there. No staff at all. And no patients either coming in or going out, except me. And she did so many tests that the appointment took two long hours. I mean, I was so exhausted. I mean, I could not believe how worn out I was. Even stranger than that was she kept asking me about various doctors I, I know because she knows about um, my show and my interest in healthcare reform. And any time she'd mention a doctor, I would give her my opinion if I knew the person. And then she'd go right to Google and look this person up. I mean, it was very bizarre. Probably one of the reasons my um, appointment lasted for uh, two hours. And then finally, um, when I asked her how my eyes were, she said, great but that I should go down to Stanford Street to see a friend of hers and have a three-hour exam on my retina. I mean, guys, do you know what's going on down at Stanford Street? It's all construction. I mean, you take it's down in Government Center. You go down there, you're just taking your life in your hands. I mean, it's such aggravation. So, um, and also, during this exam, all kinds of yuck would be put in my eyes so I could not drive myself home to the Cape. Excuse me, if my eyes are great, why do I have to put myself through this? I mean, do you know what a three-hour exam is like, especially on your eyes? So anyway, um, I finally left. Still no other patients. I mean, I'd been there two hours. There was no one coming out, coming in, no one at all, and the place seemed so lonesome to me. And I emailed her to find out what her rationale was for me to get that long three-hour exam. Do you know that from that day to this, I have never heard from this woman, never got an answer? You truly cannot make this up. And I'm seeing another ophthalmologist in November. Pray for me. One can only hope this person is um, a good ophthalmologist. Again, this guy has been highly recommended. But uh, one can only hope. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it was mind-boggling. Okay, so now experience number two. This happened uh, two weeks ago when I went to the Harvard Dental Center in the Longwood area to see a new dentist. Let me back up. I had made the first appointment in May to see a hygienist and a dentist that was recommended to me again by another person whom I have the greatest respect. When the time, came to, time to, came to go, I had to cancel until July, last week, oh, two weeks ago. I made the appointment for 10.30 a.m., about the earliest I can see anyone since I drive up from the Cape. Two days before the appointment, I called to confirm and was told that my appointment was for 10 a.m. 
That was weird to me because I do not like such early appointments, you know, driving up from the Cape. However, I decided to go and got up at 6.30 a.m. to leave by 7.30 a.m. to leave time to park and deal with the traffic. Now, let me tell you something. The parking for Harbor Dental Center is at Louis Pasteur. It costs $17. And I just refused to do that. So I got there in time and parked at the uh, Pilgrim Center right near the fire building, um, which maybe I would end up only paying 10 I walked down to the Harvard Dental Center, which is right near Harvard Medical School on Longwood Ave. I signed in and filled out the humongous forms and was not taken in until 10.30 a.m. because the dentist was late. So I could have come at that time after all. Oh, my God. I mean, can you believe it? Anyhow, I met the dentist and asked when the hygienist would see me. Guys, can you believe this? They had no hygienist there. The person I had signed up for was not there, was busy. There were no other hygienists there to, to clean my teeth. Now, have you ever gone to a dentist where they don't clean your teeth? I never have. I have never made an appointment just to see the dentist. So I left. I left. I made another appointment. They had me down for August 31st for, to see the hygienist. Very weird. I mean, this whole thing was weird. So I walked, was walking to my car in Longwood Ave by Children's Hospital. I suddenly get a call from this office. This guy, this hygienist, could now see me. Excuse me, folks. Um, no way. No way was I going back. I was so exhausted from the whole thing, you cannot even imagine. So I left the dentist and went to see um, another, another doctor at Beth Israel right across the street. They, it was a dermatologist, great people. I told them the story, and they said, Ellen, do not ever go back there. Of course I won't. I mean, you can imagine. There's no way. So now I'm looking for another dentist down the Cape. I figured if I'm going to be tortured by these doctors, I might as well do it down the Cape. Why drive all the way up to Brookline? Or Boston to be tortured. So that's about it, folks. I hope you have better luck with looking for new doctors. And I'll report on my situation next time we meet, which will probably be in September. Take care and have a happy rest of the summer. Thank you. Thank you.